Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God called Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem to build the burned-down walls, torn-down walls, and the burned-down gates in Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah's own words, he told us that it was a great work, that it was a monumental work. In chapters 1 through 5, Nehemiah heard the walls of Jerusalem were torn down, the gates were burned, and Nehemiah desired to go and to build the walls of Jerusalem. He realized the kingdom of God was important. The walls were important because they meant salvation and protection and separation for the people of God. And while building, Nehemiah encountered many obstacles and enemies. Have you been with us? And they were coming against God's work, but Nehemiah continued to build. A trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. As they were building, remember Sambalot and Tobiah? They were seeking to distract and to hinder and to cause doubt and unbelief. Chapter 6, verse 15. Go ahead and pop over there, if you will. Chapter 6, verse 15 tells us that they finished the walls in 52 days. 52 days, they finished the walls. Chapter 7, everything was in order practically and spiritually. Last time we talked about that. The doors are hung and the gatekeepers are appointed. The priests are in place and ready for worship. And the singers are in place and they're ready for worship. And We left off talking about, remember the last time we left off talking about revival. Revival throughout history. I found this really great quote from a Bible scholar and teacher. His name is Jay Edwin Orr. You might be familiar with that name. And he defined revival as the spirit of God working through the word of God in the lives of the people of God. And this chapter is a great example of that, isn't it? The spirit of God working through the word of God in the lives of the people of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, another great Bible scholar, talking about revival. He said the most decadent period in history, in the history of the church, is the history or is the period where the preaching of the word has declined. The most decadent period in the history of the church is a period where the preaching of the word of God is declined. In other words, if God's word is not being preached, there will not be a revival. There will not be excitement about the word of God. There will not be excitement about the things of God. Chapter 8 we come to tonight is probably my favorite chapter in the book of Nehemiah, and if you've read ahead, it's probably yours too. 
chapter 8, we come to another revival in history. And where there's true revival, listen, saints, where there's true revival, there'll be true repentance. Where there's true revival, there'll be true repentance. Revival and awakening has always centered on the word of God. If you look throughout church history and you do a study of church history and the revivals throughout church history, you'll, you'll see and you'll know, you'll understand that true revival brings about true repentance. Revival and awakening have always centered on the word of God. Now in chapter eight of Nehemiah, I want you to write this down. I'm gonna give you three preparations that God used to bring revival. Three preparations that God used to bring revival. Number one, reading and retaining the word of God in verses one through eight. Reading and retaining the word of God. Three preparations that God used to bring revival. Reading and retaining the word of God, number one. You're going to find that in verses one through eight. And then secondly, response to the word of God. We'll talk about these three things tonight. Response to the word of God, and we'll find that in verses 9 through 12. And then finally, the implementation of the word of God. We'll find that in 13 through 18. Reading and retaining the word. Response to the word of God. Implementation of the word of God. In verses 13 through 18, we'll talk about those three things three preparations that God used to bring revival to his people. I've titled this sermon, People of the Book, Part 2. Last week it was People of the Book, what, saints? You're so smart. Nehemiah, chapter 8, love this chapter. I want to read the whole thing, but I think it might be too chunky. Too chunky to read the whole thing, so... Okay, let's read down to verse uh, 12 together. How about that? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, saints, beginning in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, And all who could hear with understanding, please underline that in your neighbor's Bible. Go and reach over there and scribble. All who could hear with understanding, extremely important, on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until what? Midday, before the men and women and those who could understand And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Are you? So Ezra the scribe went to the pulpit. He stood on a platform of wood, the first pulpit in the scriptures. He went to a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand, We're a bunch of guys. And then Ezra in verse 5 opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, 
what the people do? They stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people, this was a Pentecostal bunch, y'all. Then all the people answered what they say. Amen and amen. Yes. All the people answered amen and amen while lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And a bunch of guys and the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their places. And so verse 8, I want you to highlight, underline the entire verse. Nehemiah 8.8, memory verse. So they read distinctly. As a matter of fact, read it with me. So they read distinctly from the book. I need everybody to read it with me. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. You might want to write this in your margin, verse-by-verse teaching. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Levites quieted all the people, shh, calm down, saying, be still for the day is holy and don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly because here's why they rejoice. Do you get this? Because they understood the words that were declared unto them. Saints, stop right there. Point number one, reading and retaining the word of God. Now let's back up just a little bit, if you will, with me. Let's back up to 537 B.C. 537 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar, pardon me, King Cyrus gave a decree. And every Jew was allowed to go back to their homeland. Uh, 50,000 went home of the two, three million that went into captivity. Remember, I told you that there were three deportations of the Jews in to Babylon, and there were three deportations of the Jews leaving Babylon or departing from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And the first group was headed home, and they were led by who? Anybody know? Zerubbabel. Very good. God used Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. Approximately 60 years, a second group leave captivity under the leadership of who? Anybody know? Ezra. Ezra was a priest and a scribe. We just read that. And his ministry and mission was to instruct the people in worship. And God used Ezra to rebuild the people. And then the third and the final contingency came back in 445 B.C. under the leadership of who? Nehemiah, very good, to rebuild the walls. And God used the rubber belt to rebuild the temple. And, and God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. And God used Ezra to rebuild the people. Now, we've learned the walls were finished in 52 days, which tells us if God's people will do God's work God's way using God's methods, great things will happen. 
if God's people will do God's work, God's way, using God's methods, great things will happen. So the wall is built. They have new security gates. The walls are are in place. There's a feeling of protection, and they're secure from robbers and the enemy. But now they need a deeper spiritual life, and that life only comes through the word of God. Notice in verse 1, it tells us that the people gathered together as one before the water gate on the east side of the city. Remember I told you the water gate, that water in the Bible symbolizes what? The word of God. Write this down. Ephesians 5.26 tells us that he might sanctify and cleanse us by the washing of water of the word of God. Psalm 119.9. Love this verse. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. So they gathered at the water gate and Ezra brings out the book of the law. Now earlier in Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, it tells us that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach the statutes and the ordinances in Israel. I love that. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach the statutes and the ordinances in Israel. Now, when the Bible says that Ezra prepared his heart, It means that he set firmly. He set it firmly. It means to establish, to determine, to seek the law of God. I can hear Ezra praying, saying, Lord, teach me your statutes. Lord, reveal your word to me. You know, it's one thing to know the word of God in your head. And it is another thing for God to reveal his word to you and you know it from your heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you know, don't we all know people that know the word? They can quote you chapter and verse, man. They can fly it off, quote chapter and verse. But what about your heart? It is one thing to be able to know God's word in your head. You can know God's word in your head and not even be saved. Salvation doesn't come because you know the word of God. Salvation comes by receiving Jesus in your heart. So Ezra, he prepared his heart before the Lord. I love that. Because we have to prepare our hearts. You got to prepare your heart when you come to church. You got to prepare your heart to come to church and say, God, I want to hear a word from you. If you don't come to church, listen. If you don't come to church expecting to receive something, a word from God, you won't. You have to come almost with your neck stretched out, saying, God, I, I want a word from you. Lord, speak a word. God, God, speak to my heart. God, speak a word to my, to my heart and change my life. I want to be changed by you. I want to hear a word from you. And if you do, you will. And if you don't, you won't. And Ezra prepared his heart to seek the Lord. He he sought the Lord with his whole heart. So it's the seventh month. It's the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. Deuteronomy 17, 7. Deuteronomy 12, 14, 16. All of these verses tell us that 
this Feast of Trumpets, this seventh month, was a joyous occasion. And now it's especially joyous because they are thankful that the walls are finished. Verse 3 tells us that Ezra brought the law before the people. And the men and the women and all who could hear with understanding, notice, stood before the people. Ezra stands before the people. Nehemiah stands before the people. And they're kind of flanked with priests. Six on the left, seven on the right. They open the book of the law. And when they open the book of the law, something amazing happened. Immediately, all the people stood up. And they remain standing. We'll come back to that. Notice in verse 2 and 3, it tells us all who could hear with understanding. This word understanding is used six times in this chapter. Verse 3 tells us that they were men and women. They were men and women who could hear with understanding. The implication is those who could not understand was not there. In other words, there were no children there. Because children couldn't hear the word of God and understand it. And that's why we discourage children from being in the sanctuary during the teaching. Because children cannot hear with understanding. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, and they've said to me, actually, my kids love to hear you preach. People have said that to me and say it pretty regularly. My kids love to hear you preach, and they, they'd rather come hear you preach than be in the youth ministry. I've heard that. And no disrespect to, I'm sure, I don't even know if they even know, but no disrespect to Pastor Nick. But, they, you know, they, we, they'd rather hear you preach than be in, in, in the youth ministry. And I appreciate that. And that's a high compliment. Listen, if you can preach and hold a kid's attention and they like it, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm all for that. Although, although this atmosphere in this environment, in this sanctuary, is not an environment for youth. We have an environment for youth. We have a place where kids and youth and children and every level can go and understand the word on their level so that they can receive it. And yes, I'm not saying that your child does not and won't get anything out of what I'm saying. But I will tell you this. There is much of what I'm saying that they will not get. I think what they get is is possibly I like to laugh. Um, I like to joke around and maybe I'll tell a funny story or maybe I'll make a funny face or something like that. I don't know, whatever it is, they probably like that. And I'm sure they get something out of it. But we have an environment in which not only can they get something out of it, but it's an environment created so they can get all of it out of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's important. All that were gathered together They were gathered together who could understand, who could receive the word of God. And so we discourage children from being in our sanctuary. We usually say 12 and up. Um, You know, if you're 12 years old and older, uh, certainly uh, I I think that's an age of uh, uh, reason. Uh, I, I don't even know that the Bible actually Uh, gives us any specific cutoff age, you know, of this is where you can reason. I I do know there's a difference of uh, 
Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, but now that I'm, you know, older, you know, I put away childish things. So there is a, a difference. Do I know exactly where that is? No. Uh, so here at Calvary Chapel, 12 years old, that's as about a good age as we think it's a break. So don't, you know, after service, you know, well, how do you know when to attend and understand the word of God? Well, I don't, okay? I'm just telling you 12 years old is what we decided. We had to pick an age. So we decided 12. But all who could hear with understanding were there. Yes, I understand if you're a first-time visitor here. Listen, I do completely understand that. If you're a first-time visitor, and you've probably heard me say this in the past, if you're a first-time visitor and you want to keep your kids with you, that's fine. I, I do understand that. You don't know this church. You don't know, are there weirdos in this church? Are, you know, are there, you know what, who, who's going to get crazy and you have to get out quick and you want to get the family? You know, you never know. I got that. I, I've been in your shoes and I've, or your seat. I've been there. But if you've been going here for six months, I think it's time to let the kids go down there. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to keep it real with y'all, Okay. Because I drove six hours to get back here to talk to y'all tonight. And you're going to hear everything I got to say, all right? I think more often than not, this whole thing of, you know, I don't want the kids to go down there because I don't see you know, my children. I want my family to worship together and all of this. You know, sometimes I think it's more the parents than it is the kids. The kids are like, I want to go be with other kids. They want to be with their peers. It's the parents who, I don't, you know, I think it's more that. So if you're a first-time visitor, absolutely. Maybe a second-time visitor, okay, fine. You know, if you've been here, you know, about a month or two, and you decided this is where you're going to be coming to church, then let your kids go down there. Listen, we put a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, uh, security checks and backgrounds, security people watching at the front desk so no wackos come in there and steal your kids out. We got everything in place possible. There's no reason you shouldn't have your child in the children's ministry. None. And here's a benefit. And here's a benefit. They'll get teaching on their level, and they'll understand the Word of God, and they'll grow up liking church. Ooh. They'll grow up liking church. You put a kid in a sanctuary, how many of us, I know people today that will tell you, I will not darken the doors of a church. I don't like church. And the reason they don't like church is because all they remember from church is pain. When they were coming up, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You sitting in there and your grandma with your grandma your grand, and you know, you listen to this pastor and you, he's like talking all these Greek words and all, that, you know, all this stuff and you're just bored to tears. You're a child. And when you're bored as a child, what do you do? You tear up Bibles. <laughs> or you tear up things or books, or you write on my chairs, or you, you do stuff because you're bored. And then the parent, you're sitting there listening to the word, yes, yes, yes. yeah, stop it, yes, yes, yes. You better knock, I'm going to knock you out. That's what happens. And the kids are like, uh. Now, if you're like me, I, I, I honestly didn't do all that. I just took them out and just slapped them. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> amen. Where my, 
We didn't mess around from the old school, y'all. No, I'm from the old school. We just, my, my, they just take you out and beat you. And bring you back in, and all of a sudden, you are a perfect angel. Right? Why go through all of that? Why not just put them in where they need to be, so they can be minister, they'll grow up, they'll love church, and then they'll go to junior high ministry, and they'll love church, and then they'll go to high school ministry, and they'll love church, and they'll love God, and they'll start serving, and they'll start getting involved, and then they'll, then they'll be old enough to come up here to the big sanctuary, and, and they're, they're growing along with the ministry. And by the time they get in here, they're used to study. They're used to reading the word. They're used to plodding through the word. They're used to the pastor reading the word distinctly and giving the sense. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm coming back. They're used to all of these things by the time they get up here. It's so important that you love your children by allowing them to be ministered to on their level. People have told us, oh, you guys, uh, you know, you're not suffering the kids to come to Jesus. People told me that one time. Well, you know, ma'am, you know, we don't, children, and, you know, we encourage, you know, try to be nice about it. And you don't want to use the word policy. It's church. You know, you want to use the word policy, but, you know, it's our, you know, it's our policy. You know, that we, you know, have the children on there. Well, you're not suffering the children. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. They know that. <laughs> Suffer the little. I wish I had bigger jaws that would go like this. <laughs> Suffer the children to come unto me. And you know, listen, Jesus loves children. Somebody say amen. We love children. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.